Hey guys, back with True. Sorry it cut off uh, chapter 19, so I'm going to start over. I'm going to start chapter 19 over again because we only got a couple paragraphs in. Uh, chapter 19. But Deli was drowning in the dullness. Every day was nothing but numbers, the same ones, over and over again. She stopped feeling sunshine. The world turned dingy gray, except at recess. The creatures came as soon as Ferris Boyd sat down. Red and blue and yellow birds danced in the air above her. Squirrels played tag beside her. Sometimes Deli'd catch herself giggling and saying, Ferris Boyd, those squirrels ran over your legs as if she and the girl were friends, as if it were fun. Then she'd remind herself, this is not fun. It's like watching grass grow. It was better than counting, though. And for a half hour, Ferris Boyd wasn't the head down hunched over kid she was everywhere else. Because in school, Ferris Boyd was a disaster. All day long, she drooped over her desk as if her sadness weighed so much she couldn't sit up straight. Miss Boyd, Lionel Terwilliger would say, please approach the blackboard and complete the problem. So she'd shuffle to the front of the room and slouch by the board. You may commence, he'd prod her. She never did. Finally, Lionel Terwilliger would give up. Thank you, Miss Boyd. You may resume your seat. And she'd slump back to her chair. Without the animals, Ferris Boyd was a barely living was barely a living lump. Like Deli felt all the time now. After school, Deli counted as she washed desk for detention. The numbers walked home with her. They sat in the back of her head, waiting while she did her homework. Counting is the worst deli punishment ever, she sighed. Except for this, Clarice hadn't cried again. Chapter 20. All week, Brud Kenny counted the seconds till Sunday. At St. Stanislaus, he had a prayer. Please let me see that boy play again, and I won't wreck it. Sunday morning, he pedaled slowly down the river road. About a block from the old henny pen place, he heard it. Thump, 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 clang! He put his hand over his mouth to keep from shouting, Uh, uh, oh, right! At the end of the drive, he peeked around the brush. There was the boy, dribbling and jumping and shooting just like before. Brud laid his bike in the ditch. He snuck behind bushes till he was halfway down the drive. Don't mess me up again, his head warned the rest of him, because Brud had a plan. He would watch, still and silent, for a little while. I'll learn, then I'll leave, he decided, and at first his body dis- his body obeyed. While the boy dribbled between his legs and back and behind his back, Brud's hand stayed still. When the boy ran down the drive, Brud's feet didn't stir. Then the boy took the ball in both hands and jumped. As he floated through the air, he turned, so the hoop was behind him. Blind to the basket, he threw the ball up over his head. Brud stopped breathing. It was an impossible shot. The boy didn't know impossible. It soared to the rim and slid through it. And Brud Kinney's plan didn't have a prayer. Oh, man, he whopped. His arms were pumping the air with happiness. The boy swung around. His scared eyes spotted Brud. Then he was running. Just like before, Brud needed too much too fast from his mouth. Hey, he hollered. You played real good. The boy was at the stoop. Brud tried again. You play g-g-g. The boy reached for the door. It was over. Brud hit his mouth with his fist to hurt it. Ugh, he cried. His head, he hung his head and waited for the door to slam on him and his two basketball loving body. It wasn't the words that stopped Ferris Boyd. It was the g-g-g, the sound of a, the sound of a mouth that wouldn't speak. It turned her around. She saw Brud hit himself. She flinched. 
like she felt it. When the door didn't bang, Brad wondered if he'd been g g going so loud he'd missed it. He looked up. There was the boy, on the stoop, staring at him. Brad took a breath. He pointed to his mouth. hard he said, and the boy didn't leave or laughed. So Brad kept on. You, you play real g g g The G got him again. His head went down for good. Brad didn't see Ferris Boyd walk toward him. He didn't see the pad and pen she took from her pocket till they were under his eyes. His face went red. I'm so bad at talking, he thought. That boy thinks I have to write. His hands stayed at his sides. The pen and paper disappeared, then came back. Right here was on the page in pale skinny letters. They weren't telling, they were asking. So Brad did. You play real good. I play too. I was just watching, he wrote. The boy read it and glanced at the ground. Time to go, Brett's head said. His hand wouldn't listen. Want to play a game, it wrote. The boy's eyes got scared again. If you haven't noticed, Brett keeps referring to Ferris as a boy. And Ferris is also referred to as a, as a girl. So I think he thinks that... Um, I think he thinks maybe she might look that way. The boy's eyes got scared again. So just so you know, that's why it keeps going back and forth. He looked at the house, then bread. He was weighing which it would be, and bread could tell the house was winning. Give it up. Brud's head insisted. Instead, his mouth said, I'm b b bread The boy gazed into Brud's eyes, like he was reading them too. Brud let him. After a long time, the boy took the pad. Horse, he wrote. Your name? Brad asked. The boy shook his head. Oh, the g-g-game, the boy nodded. No touch, he asked in big dark letters. He held the paper in front of him like a shield. No touch, Brad promised. The boy passed him the ball to begin. Brad was so happy he couldn't keep his mouth from yelling, yes. Before he took a shot, though, he raised his arm like he was in school. The boy looked at him. What's your name? He asked. Slowly, the boy printed Ferris Boyd. Brad's right hand waved. Hi, he smiled. So the tips of his teeth glowed. Then they played. It was over before Brad blinked. He got hammered. It wasn't that Brad didn't make any baskets. He did. It was because sometimes he missed. The boy didn't. Still, even getting skunked, Brad had had the best time ever because he got to watch the boy up close without barreling through bushes. Brad's last shot bounced off the rim and came back to the pavement. He turned to the boy. again he asked, because he didn't want it to end. But the boy had vanished. Nothing moved around that place except birds and a black cat. So Brad set the ball on the stoop and headed down the drive. Before he left, though, he turned to the house and raised his hand. See you next week? He wasn't telling he was hoping. In bed that night, Brad was having one of his visions. In his head, he and the boy were playing horse again, and this time Brad was winning. Time out, he called and walked over to the boy. Hey, I was thinking, he said, maybe you don't like talking either. That's why you have that pad. Maybe we don't have to talk ever. In his vision, the boy nodded, and Brad smiled so his teeth glimmered. Chapter 21. For Deli, Monday meant no more Alaska, no more detention, no more being stuck in her room. She was Deli bratting, though she was worried. Now I got all kinds of time for trouble. So at recess, she went to Alaska anyway because it kept her from fun and fighting. After school, she walked home with RB. Want to skip rocks at the river, he wondered? Nope. Want to make a worm pie? Uh Uh-uh. It was all too fun. 
Want to watch TV? He asked at the house. No, she sighed, because Galveston would be there with a fight all ready for her. She trudged to her room to keep the peace, and it worked, till Gal found her. You're ungrounded, not on vacation, she snarled. Get downstairs and help us clean. So Deli did. She got the dust cloth and swished it across the tabletops while she counted. That's not dusting, Galveston declared. That's pushing dirt around. Deli kept swishing. Gal got in her face. Get the spray and start over. As she spoke, Galveston did some spraying of spit on Deli. The spit spattered the numbers aside so there was nothing between the sisters, except Deli's fist. Gal, she growled, what? Just before she hurled her hand into Galveston's gut, Deli gasped. I got to go. She ran to her room and slammed the door between her and the fight she was hankering for. Gal followed her. RB was trailing the two of them, shouting, Deli, count. One. Two, she howled, but Gal was banging, screaming the numbers to nowhere. You're not done. Get back there and finish. Deli had her hand on the knob. In a moment, it would be holding a hunk of Galveston's hair, and Clarice came home early. Hey, she called. Where is everybody? Ma, R.B. answered. We're upstairs. What's going on? Nothing, all three replied. Gal, get down here, Clarice summoned her. Deli heard her sister retreat. The battle might be over, but Deli knew the war would go on. She needed a different plan for Tuesday, or Gal would be bald, and she'd be banished to Trouble Town forever. She fell on her bed, worn out from fighting, the fight and wasted from a week of counting. After supper, Clarice came to Deli's room. She sat on the edge of the bed. Deli was so spent she hardly noticed her. One week and no trouble, Clarice said. Huh, she mumbled. Deli, Clarice told her, your dad and I decided that when you have a month of no trouble, you get a Deli day. That woke her up a little. Huh? Whatever you want for a day. Deli never had Clarice or Boomer to herself except for meetings with police officers and principals. That part of her that remembered happiness wanted to holler, Jimmy Fipes. Instead, she murmured, hmm, I'm proud of you, Del, Clarice rasped. Deli never heard that before either. Just like that, those five words filled her up. They inflated her like a bald Deli loon. She wasn't tiny or tired anymore. She was blown up to bursting with Clarice's pride. Then there were no numbers, only happiness. She was Clarice's again. Ma, she said, because the word, sound, word sounded so good. Clarice got up. Good night, Deli. Good night, she replied. She fell asleep with her lips curling up to her eyes. Chapter 22. There was a reason now, a good one, for staying out of trouble. It wasn't the Deli day or two keep her mom from crying it was being clarice's pride tuesday morning deli was still puffed up with it it woke her with the words ma's proud of me but the numbers were backing up behind her happy thoughts ball grammet she muttered then she let them through clarice's pride depended on it the numbers were blown up too they were fat and fluorescent colored they sashayed around her brain singing one two three good morning ma she rasped as she came into the kitchen good morning deli clarice smiled what do you think you are strutting like you're six feet tall galveston hissed the numbers trumpeted an attack 97 98 they blared deli high stepped it to the toaster and the rest of breakfast went without a hitch it was a long day of counting though even when clarice's pride by recess deli and the digits were tiny and gray again on Alaska, as birds flapped around Ferris Boyd, Deli thought about after school. 
it'd be her and Galveston. With only the dinky numbers between them, there'd be hand-to-hair combat. Clarice's pride would be crushed. What do I do? She mumbled. Everywhere else was fist or fights. Then the idea slapped her like a smack to the brain. Shaky, she exclaimed. I'll be just like sitting on Alaska, Deli told herself. No fun, no fights, and no Galveston. Ferris Boyd, she whispered, I'm following you home. At the end of the day, Deli watched Ferris Boyd slump out of the back door of the school. Then she ran to the front. Go with Cletus, she hollered at Arby. I'll be home later. Arby went pale with worry. You in trouble? Nah, she said. I got a project. What kind of project? Deli told the truth. Sort of. It's about birds and squirrels and stuff. I gotta go. But R.B. knew her. Those copper curls weren't bouncing because she had a project. They were bound for a Deli venture. Hey, he called, but she was gone. What's Deli doing? Cletus asked. Don't know, R.B. replied. He was going to find out, though. <laughs>